Money Talk is hosted by Annex Wealth Management, a registered investment advisor. Important information about the qualifications and business practices of Annex to be considered before becoming a client of Annex is available at AnnexWealth.com. Securities are offered through HBEC Incorporated, member FINRA and SIPC. Annex Wealth Management and HBEC are unaffiliated. This program may contain forward-looking statements which may not come true. Please consult with an advisor about your specific situation. Taking the mystery out of investing with answers to your financial questions. This is Money Talk with Dave Spano and Mark Oswald from Annex Wealth Management. On WTMJ. It's Money Talk, Annex Wealth Management, Saturday the 1st. Welcome to December. I'm Danny Clayton, Dave Spano. Good week in the market. Best it's, in, what, two years? It really was. And, uh, you know, we ended yesterday, Friday, for the week. We were up 5%, which is probably the best week we've seen in a couple of years, Derek. It was. Um, I think most of the credit can go to Fed Chairman Powell, who spoke on Wednesday, Mark, about basically a more gradual path of rate hikes than the market had anticipated. Well, I think let's start there because that's an important part. It's something we talk a lot about on this show is the Fed. And, and there's a reason we do that, guys, of course, is that what the Fed does has an impact not only on the bond markets but on the stock markets, and that's what people want to know about what happens to my money when the Fed's doing what they're doing. You know, Dave, when you talk about what the Fed did this week, Chairman Powell used a phrase that was a little new now to us, and it was just below. And that phrase of just below was the idea that we're getting to the point of natural neutralized rates. That is right, and it's it was a new term, and you have to think about what's happening in those meetings, and you have to think about uh, President Trump and his uh, statements and his tweets about what's actually happening. In fact, uh, Trump said he was not happy with the Fed chairman. No. It's not really what the, the president should be doing, frankly, but it's something that we have seen. And you think about all of the things that goes into the Federal Reserve and the decisions that they make. You know, Derek, years ago, we used to watch Alan Greenspan and the thickness of his briefcase was sometimes an indicator of what we could expect. Well, now the Fed is extraordinarily transparent, and they tell you lots of things. And so they parse the words every time we see a statement. The words that have been parsed is, are we near a neutral rate? Can you explain to our listeners what that means? What Powell actually said, we're, we're close to a range on the neutral rate. In fact, in prior conversations, he's actually suggested they don't, he doesn't know exactly what the neutral rate is. But one way to, to judge it is look at how housing stocks are doing. Look at how auto stocks are doing. Those stocks have been rolling over for quite some time. So obviously these higher interest rates have affected the affordability of homes. Uh, higher input costs have reduced the margins for home builders. And this is an environment in which the Fed really ought to become more data dependent, which is precisely what they're going to do. So really Really, this has an impact, in our view, on what happens with the Fed in 2019. What's going to happen in the balance of this month as we move into December is we probably see that rate raise in December at the next FOMC meeting. But I think that what we're talking about now is the language as it impacts 2019. As people are looking forward to, you know, you're looking at earnings, and we talk about a lot on this show. You start thinking about the Fed moving into 2019. At one point in time, they were talking about four raises in 2019. That's probably not going to happen. No. Right. So, and then, you know, they talked about, then they talked about three. And in fact, Danny, you and I were talking about just this past week that there was an expectation that the Fed had said there will be three rate raises. Well, that is not what the market is indicating. They're indicating much less. And as, as Derek just pointed out, the term that they use is data dependent. In other words, 
what really happens, what is the information that we really see, Derek, and that's what they're going to hang their hat on. Right. They're going to look at inflation, and obviously one key component of inflation is is crude oil and gasoline, and we've seen oil drop almost a third in two months. Now, that's partly because of a sluggish demand, but it's also because a lot of supply has come on, particularly from the United States. So the inflation front looks good. Inflationary expectations are under control. There's really, and wage growth is still rough, roughly about 3% year over year, which isn't typically at an area where the Fed gets overly nervous. So let's move on. So the other big newsmaker uh, that we've of, often talked about is not only the Fed, but what can happen with trade. And obviously, there is a big meeting coming up with Chinese President Xi and President Trump, and that, that could move the market significantly yeah, in either way, obviously. Yeah, the G20 meeting, it's something we've been, been looking for. I mean, I, th- I think our expectation, at least on the investment committee, is that the U.S. will will be somewhat accommodative, perhaps push back the imposition of these tariffs from January 1 to, say, April 1st in the event of a a deal, uh, which will obviously help, uh, I think, lessen the the fear that some people have about a global trade war. Uh, Derek Felsky, Chief Investment Officer at Annex Wealth Management, also Dave Spano, President of Annex Wealth, and uh, Mark Oswald here. They're going to be here uh, hanging out here for a little bit more. Uh, let's talk about locations with Annex Wealth Management because we really try to be super accessible. There are five, Elm Grove, Mequon, Lake Country, Appleton. Our newest branch is downtown at the Fister. And then we're going to talk about our sixth a little bit later on in the show, and that's what's called Annex Everywhere. So if you're listening to this radio station, there's a big signal on WTMJ. Here we are sitting at 1013 in the morning on a Saturday morning. Yeah, we can do business with you. Uh, and it all starts at AnnexWealth.com. That's the website, AnnexWealth.com. Just hit that uh, green Get Started button. This is Money Talk on WTMJ. Money tips that don't cost a thing. This is Money Talk with Dave Spano and Mark Oswald on WTMJ. Team Tech Trust, it's Money Talk, Annex Wealth Management, Saturday the 1st. We were talking about oil. I'm sure as you were driving in, you were seeing those gas prices. Yeah, there's a site called Gas Buddies, and you can go to it and and put in your area and find out what gas prices are in your area. And, you know, around here, it's about $2.30. And, and when well, gas is at that low mark, that's really almost like a tax cut for, for investors. Yeah, and I see even, even less than that in New Berlin when... I went by this morning. I saw two eighteen. Wow. So I mean, th- those numbers are coming down, and they're falling fast. As Derek pointed out, I mean, oil's down almost a third. See, Danny lives in Fox Point. Yeah, so exactly. well, there, it's a little more out it's there. It's a little right? more expensive. In Old New Berlin, we're paying about two eighteen a, a, a gallon. So you know, it, it's really interesting. But to your point, Dave, it really is almost another tax cut for investors and for consumers. And when you think about that, you have wage inflation, which Derek was talking about, and you have real inflation, things like food and gas and those prices coming down, that does give the Fed a little bit more room in terms of what they have to do in terms of monetary policy going forward. Derek pointed out slowing housing sales and slower car sales. That is also a sign that maybe the economy is not as strong. And I know we talked about a lot of positive things in the first segment, but a more balanced view is that there's some things that we have to pay attention to. Yeah, I mean, only you had to have your head in the sand not to think that a GDP of 4% plus was sustainable. Our economy just is not geared for that right now with productivity doing what it's been doing. So, so basically what we're going to have to do over the next several months is really take a hard look at S&P earnings estimates, profit margins, sales growth, the effect of the dollar, et cetera. Also, you know, weighing in what, on what happens on the trade front and really come up with a forecast on what we actually believe the S&P 500 earnings will be for 2019. Well, that's an excellent point, I think, it, because when we talk about valuations of the markets, when we're talking about the S&P 
500. We mentioned the Dow being up 5% this week. The NASDAQ is a different index. Then you start to think about emerging markets and the pricing of emerging markets. When you look at a market as a whole, and we've had earnings increases in 2018, we expect earnings increases in 2019. Maybe not as robust, but still increases, and that allows for further expansion of those indexes. It does, provided the multiple remains constant. Right, right. Um, you know, right the now, the median S&P multiple over the last 20 years has been 14.7. So we're trading just a little above that, but with interest rate at much lower levels than during that period. So stocks continue to be relatively cheap versus fixed income and short-term money. Uh, but again, you know, there's a lot of complacency, a lot of optimism. We're starting to see volatility crank it up, as we typically do late in the cycle. So I feel like it's a really good opportunity for those of us that are opportunistic and run balanced portfolios. And I want our listeners to understand that we're not whistling past the graveyard here. There are certainly things that, that we are looking at. You mentioned earnings, but there are certainly other global slowdowns that could change our picture. Yeah, I mean, in China, for example, car sales were down four months in a row. This is an economy that supposedly is growing 6.5%. Um, I wouldn't bet my life that that's the accurate number. Um, overseas in Europe, you've got questions about Brexit. You've got questions in Italy about their, the health of their banking system. So there are all sorts of issues out there but markets, as you say a lot, Dave, like to climb a wall of worry, and we're in the seasonally strong period of time. It's going to take a while for analysts to ferret out the estimates for next year. So I think we've got time uh, with which to really think about how we're going to reallocate our portfolios going forward. You know, the research that we, uh, one of the research partners that we were looking at this week pointed out the growing debt, not only in this country and not only consumers, but corporations as well. Their debt ratio has come up. And, and if you look back over the recessions that we've had over the history of this country, debt has been a part of that. Well, there's a, I'm going to read that Ray Dalio book uh, over the weekend about about the debt cycle and how de- debt cycles tend to repeat themselves. And, and we're in his mind, we're in the late stages of this debt cycle. And ultimately what happens is as a co- the economy slows, as growth starts to sputter, the ability of people to pay back their debts declines and that curtails their spending. So obviously we're aware it's a 10-year bull market. We're aware the valuations are, are more reasonable than they were at the beginning of the year. But we're always going to be looking for an inflection point. So do a lot of people take on a lot of credit card debt this time of year with the Christmas season and, and all that? I mean, is that reflected in that? Are we talking about corporate yeah. debt? No, credit, and of course, retail you, debt and credit yeah, card no doubt debt about it. is right. part of that, Mark. I think the takeaway of all of this is it's time to take a look at your portfolio. If you're a listener and you haven't done that, it's time to do a deep dive understand what you own, why you own it, and what you're paying for it would be a really important time as we go into the end of the year. And you can get that going at AnnexWealth.com. Our number is 262-786-6363. Again, we've got a bunch of different locations. One of them is Annex Everywhere. That is our virtual location. It's uh, rock solid and very secure. How does that work? We've got a segment coming up on that a little bit later on. This is uh, Money Talk on WTMJ. It's all about Team Tech Trust, AnnexWealth.com. Spreading the wealth every Saturday. Here's more Money Talk with Dave Spano and Mark Oswald on WTMJ. Team Tech Trust, Dan Phillips is joining me. She's Director of Client Learning and Development. Welcome back. Thanks you for having me, Danny. You know, there's that famous story, comedian Joan Rivers, right? Her husband died and she said she was completely paralyzed because she couldn't even set the VCR. Now, that's an old story. It's a bit of a joke, but it happens, right? Preparing for the unexpected is one of those things when there's been a couple, there's been a marriage, and all of a sudden it ends, dissolves, transitions somehow. There can be some huge problems. Right, because... 
you know, within a household, everyone has the breakdown of the jobs that they're really responsible for. And in some cases, it might be going to work 50 hours a week, right, while someone maintains and is the CEO of the household. When one of those positions goes away, just like a business, it is very jarring. What are the type of transitions that women would run into? First of all, the three Ds, and those being death, divorce, and disability, and those leading to, of course, the fourth D, which is dismay. They all have one thing in common, and that is stress. And some of them have a little bit more of the financial stress than others. And that's really what we want to focus on today. Let's talk about one of those Ds, disability. How does somebody navigate a transition where it's a disability? Fewer than 30% of all workers in the workplace have any kind of long-term coverage for a disability. But at the age of 30, believe it or not, you have more than a 50% chance of being disabled for three months or longer before you hit age 65. Mm. So that's something that, first off, everyone should take a look at with their benefits and see, are they covered? And some people would be thrown into a caregiver role. They might be. And so that could create kind of almost a double indemnity situation where not only might you lose your spouse's or your partner's income if they're out, but your own if you're caregiving. And this is where we talk about that emergency preparedness, having access to cash. It used to be you would hear, be sure you have three to six months worth of expenses is covered. There are other ways, you know, people with good credit might have a little bit more accessibility to have that cash, but certainly um, there are creative ways, but that could certainly be jarring. We're talking about a women's guide to preparing for the unexpected and transitions. Transitions happen. Okay, a transition to a divorce. Transition to a divorce is an entirely different animal because it really can impact and it does impact people of all ages. Danny, I'm having more people over the age of 50 and 60 that are coming into my office who say, that's it, I'm, I'm getting a divorce because you know, I'm a certified divorce financial analyst. So for Annex, I see a lot of those people and help give them guidance in terms of the different types of divorces and what their options may be. And more importantly, looking at the bigger picture, because that's really daunting, especially how long have you been married, Danny? 30 plus years. Yeah. I mean, you, th- you figure the 30 years of building an intricate, it's a business your family is. And to destructure that business is not just stressful emotionally, but very stressful financially. And there are things that you have to think about. You have to consider your emergency funds. You have to consider a separate credit history, sometimes for the first time. People will come to me and say, well, I have a credit card. And then we'll take a look and we'll realize they're an authorized signer. It's not really their Mm. credit at all. So there are certain things that you have to do to put the oxygen mask on yourself right away. And I'm sure you've seen it all where it came out of the blue or it festered for years, but every single divorce is different, and that's what you walk transitions through. That's absolutely true. And sometimes people say, well, this is easy. We don't have all that much in terms of finances. We'll just split them. But let me ask you this, Danny. So which is better? Okay, let's say you and Suzanne both have $100,000 each, but one of you has a $100,000 IRA, and the other has a $100,000 investment brokerage account. Do you care who gets what? I'm going to guess because the IRA, if you liquidate that, there's a tax liability. Ding, ding. That's right. That's exactly right. You should care. So it's there's there's a lot of financial considerations that have to be looked at, not just the tax liability, but possibly penalties if you're too young, too, to get your hands on that liquidity. Women's Guide to Preparing for the Unexpected, talking about transitions and that D, the other D would be death. That could happen very quickly. That could happen over time, but it's still a huge transition. Well, it definitely is. And, you know, we talk about how women 
living longer than men, and they really do. So one of the latest stats I read is a a woman, if she reaches 50 years old today without cancer or heart disease, has an expectation that they will reach 92 years old. That's pretty crazy when you think about it. And when we consider that 40% of women age 65 and over are widowed, you're looking at a demographic that is really large and trying to really do it on their own and potentially could be retired for as long as they were working. We have to pay attention to a couple of things, to the fact that women as a whole, and we're talking baby boomers here now and some of the Gen Xers, Danny, they're still only making 78 to 80 cents on the dollar for the same job nationally that a man does. Why does that matter? Well, the women are the ones who usually and traditionally step back to be the caregiver, whether it's of their own child or an aging parent. What happens when a woman steps back out of the workplace, well, she possibly has to take a step back in her career, or if it's frozen, she's not progressing the way a partner who's continuing on the trajectory of their career might be facing. So you're seeing a discrepancy of income here that can really add up as we age. There's a ton to unpack here. This is Women's Guide to Preparing for the Unexpected. You are putting something together in our Elm Grove office on Tuesday the 11th. So coming up pretty quick, it's about a two-hour seminar. We do these as conversation circles. And what that means, it's, a, it's the same style of communication the UN uses when they gather their leaders together. And they gather in small groups and they will have a topic and they'll have an open discussion. In this way, we find that women learn from women. So we have a guided topic. We'll have workbooks that we work through. We're going to work through some interesting things, including a grab-and-go binder, Danny, which is an emergency preparedness and readiness binder. So we have to limit the room. If you're interested, details are right on our website, AnnexWealth.com slash events, and then slash guide. You need to look for it. Please do come and join us. It is limited, but it's always a robust discussion. We do this one once a year, and it always fills up. Sure does. Thanks, Deanne. It is 1030. Let's do news. WTMJ breaking news. From simple investments to stock advice, back to Money Talk with Dave Spano and Mark Oswald on WTMJ. Money Talk, Annex Wealth Management. Time for Ask Annex. You can submit your questions to AnnexWealth.com. Just look for that Ask button. Derek, thanks for hanging out. Here's one for you from Stocks and Investing category for 100. It's from Cody. I'd rather invest in gold than coins or bars. Derek said gold mines. You must have last week. Yeah. Um, aren't these things completely different? Well, they're, they're related, obviously. Um, when I think about investing as gold, I'd rather get paid paid to wait. So if you buy a company like a Newmont Mining, now I'm not recommending it, it's just an example, but it yields north of 5%. You have exposure to gold on the upside. The thing you need to worry about is, is what the dollar is going to do. If the dollar continues to be strong, it'll inhibit the ability of gold to rally. However, if inflationary expectations start to build and the dollar starts to weaken, I think gold mining stocks are actually very attractively valued relative to the S&P 500. His point is correct. They are totally different in that gold is a commodity in a commodity, you have a buyer and a seller, right? Supply and demand, whatever it's going to be, that's hard to value. What you're talking about, gold mining stocks, where they actually earn money, pay a dividend, and you can apply a price-to-earnings ratio to it. Yeah, and there have been a lot of plant closures, a lot of mine closures in the last 10, 15 years. So again, the, the supply of gold, I mean, gold is never created nor destroyed. 
but it's it's a, it is seen as a commodity, but over the course of history, it's taken a more luster than typical commodity. Exactly. This is Ask Annex. Somebody texted in, Derek, they want to know, are you really going to read a whole book this weekend? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'm glad you see him. Okay. Well, yeah. All right, you know, our, our party is tonight. Danny, I, uh, Danny okay. the, the guy went to Dartmouth. Please. Yeah, I mean, he's yeah. an Ivy Leaguer. Of course okay. he's going to. Mandy Nowashinsky, our tax planner, is here. Questions for you, Mandy, from Ask Annex. Brad writes, my teenager got her first job this summer. She made about $1,500. Does she need to file taxes? The answer to that is technically no. There is a threshold to having to file taxes. If it's a W-2 employee making 1500 you don't need to file. But if there was some withholding, you might want to file just to get that withholding back. You could also, with earnings, contribute to a Roth IRA for the child. Right. So, you know, by the way, look at all these smart people in there. We've got, you know, Derek with his CFA, Mandy with her CPA and master's degree, and then there's me, and I brought down the curve a little bit today. <laughs> you haven't even got around to me yet. No, no. Okay, another tax question, Mandy, from Robin. Can I deduct losses from Bitcoin? So, and that's an interesting question, because Bitcoin is one of those things from a tax perspective that is new and kind of unchartered. Um, We have been treating it kind of as a capital asset, just like stock. So you'd be able to take some of those losses to offset selling of stock, just like a normal investment. Um, There's obviously limitations to how much loss of that can then offset your ordinary income. You can only take 3,000 if you have extra loss. Got it. Okay. Ask Annex on Money Talk. Fred writes, do I cry uncle and sell, can I say the stock, Mr., uh, can I say it? Okay, I can. Do I cry uncle and sell Goodyear to show losses on my return? I've never done this. What do I need to do? Similar to the Bitcoin, yeah, you can sell it, get a loss, and you can use those losses to offset other gains. Kind of look at that as one item on your return. And again, same thing, to the extent you have excess losses, you can use some of that. But if you have losses from one stock, it might be a good time to see what other gains you might have unrealized and see if you want to start trimming some of those gains and um, resetting your basis. And by the way, that happens a lot as we go into the end of the year, Mandy. A lot of people are doing some tax loss harvesting. Mm -hmm. Again, a real quick primer on what that is. So tax loss harvesting is you kind of look at the end of the year, see what stocks you have some losses on. And what you do is you would sell that stock, take that loss, that loss would offset other gains, Wait 31 days. Right. Gotta be aware of the wash sale rules, and then you would buy that stock back. Kind of just taking that loss from a tax perspective. Do you think we can get one more in, Danny? Yeah, and you're a CFP too, right? That's right. I am okay. a CFP. Uh, you're, you're, I know your talent agent was telling me about that. Okay. Uh, <laughs> Carol says, "Is paying off my mortgage a bad idea? Not having a mortgage would take such a load off my mind." So we all, when we talk about paying off mortgage, we always look to see what interest rate are you paying on the mortgage. And then versus what would you do with that money elsewise? If you're going to invest that money and expect to earn more than what you're paying on your mortgage on a right. percentage basis, then you would not pay it off. But there's always the... Um, there's always an the, emotional the answer emotional and there's side, an yes. economic answer. Mm-hmm. And that's generally been our answers. There's an economic answer. Is what is it going to cost to do that? Pay some capital gains taxes. What are you going to do with the excess money? What's the interest rate you're going to, you're going to pay? And then there's the emotional answer, which is, of course, like myself, I abhor debt. So if you can get out of debt, I mean, as we do all of our financial planning, Mandy, as you well know, those people with deep amounts of debt have a harder time trying to save, and their retirement mm-hmm. picture is certainly different. Right, and that's what, that's a good point is where would those funds come from to pay off the mortgage? If you're going to pull from an IRA or a qualified type of asset, you got to pay tax. So that really hinders you know, how much 
the cost of paying off your mortgage truly is. Let's see how good you guys are. This is rapid fire. Jan asks, I'm not risk tolerant. Can I still make money over time? Yeah, well, you know, Derek is shaking his head no, but there certainly is things that we have to look at. And we do a deep dive into every client that comes in, Mandy, as you well know. We we look at people's time horizons and their individual... their individual sensitivity mm-hmm. to volatility. We go through this the software program right. and we say, what if and what if and what if? Exactly. And it's very interactive and we can kind of see with your risk tolerance, you know, you take back a little bit of the return, but then you, you sleep safer at night. That's right. AnnexWealth.com slash ask is where you can put your questions in and we're going to ask uh, Mandy as many as we can and then she gets into taxis and then she's not quite as chipper. So yeah, she's but <laughs> you're about ready to get into your really crazy time. You can start at AnnexWealth.com. Free portfolio analysis. That's what happens when you hit that uh, that green get started button. It's just that easy. We'll go through your stuff and we'll talk to you about where it is that you want to go and what you have and how you can do that. Again, it's at AnnexWealth.com. Watch your investments grow with Money Talk with Dave Spano and Mark Oswald on WTMJ. Team Tech Trust, this is a conversation about the tech at Annex Wealth Management. We've got five convenient locations across Wisconsin to make it easy to meet in person. But we can make it even easier with Annex Everywhere, and I'm sure you've heard about that. You might have heard about it, but how exactly does it work? To find out, we invited Rick Kula to join us to explain. He is a wealth manager at Annex and kind of a power user of Annex Everywhere. Rick, welcome to the show. Thank you, Danny. So you're at a holiday party, and somebody says, Rick, what is Annex Everywhere? So Annex Everywhere is really our sixth branch location, utilizing technology so that we can be conveniently accessed by our clients wherever they are, whether that's at their home, office, or another location where coming into one of our branch locations just isn't practical. It gives them the same basic experience when they come into the office, but they can avoid the commute and, of course, miss out on the handshake. So you're using the technology. Does it take a lot of technology? What does it take? So really any web-enabled device, be it a smartphone, a tablet, a PC, an Apple device, you can connect with us. We use one of two online software programs that are very user-friendly, where if someone can open an email and click on a link, they can get connected. We essentially enable a screen share, and we talk to them on the phone. So it's really no different than a lot of the, the different programs that folks may be using today. You don't have to download anything. You just click. It's just that easy. Talking about Annex Everywhere with Rick Kula, who's a wealth manager at Annex Wealth Management. Tell me what DocuSign is. So I actually encountered DocuSign or something very similar to it over 10 years ago when I was going through a mortgage process. Needing to create and modify documents on the fly was critical. And it was a great time saver because fax machines are somewhat a a thing of the past. Uh, So what DocuSign allows us to do is very quickly and securely access account information, access forms, updates, beneficiary changes, whatever our clients might need. But they're able to click to sign. So by answering a few quick security questions that really only the client would know, uh, it enables them to be able to access the forms in a very quick and secure manner, uh, saving time, saving energy. Not everyone has access to a scanner, perhaps, as well. So it really quickens that process for them. Would it be snowbirds that are using uh, Annex Everywhere? 
So we absolutely do. Uh, many of our clients do snowbird. Uh, so for, for those where that's a, a distant term, clients that perhaps different times of the year travel, whether that's traveling for business, traveling for pleasure, but they still want to interact with us. They want to review their accounts. They want to have a similar experience to what they would have coming into the office, but it's just not practical to come in. So we have individuals that simply arrange, whether it's on the fly, they can call us and we can have an instant connection, instant interaction with them, or we can prearrange a meeting just like we would a normal appointment that's there. Folks can review their financial plans, their investment documents with us, beneficiary changes, anything they might come into the office to meet with us about. We simply interact with that simple screen share, which again, any web-enabled device allows them to gain access to us with. We're talking about Annex everywhere. So what's like the farthest away that somebody's dealt with? I mean, do we do Florida? We do Arizona, California? Florida and California are easy. We've had a couple of clients in Hawaii. That's a, a five to six hour time change. I've also um, met with one of our clients who was staying overseas in Germany. And I think that one might have been an eight hour uh, to the east. So that was an early morning appointment for us there. But yes, we can make it work. The hard part would be somebody in Hawaii, right? Because they're sitting there, they got the shirt on, they got the shorts on, and here we are. Absolutely. It's our end of the day, and they're, they're just getting their day started. So we make it work. So somebody's listening now, and they want to become a client of Annex. Uh, what is the process that they want to start with Annex Everywhere? It's no different than if you wanted to come into one of our offices. Go to the AnnexWealth.com page. Click on the Get Started button. Sure. After you, you yep. can, of course, review any information about Annex that you'd like. And on that form, just indicate that you're interested in that Annex Everywhere location. We would initiate an introduction call with someone who is interested to learn more about what questions you have, what interests you have, and make sure that our service offerings would be right for you and that you're comfortable with the idea of the Annex Everywhere. But it's really, again, designed as a simple user experience there that we initiate on our end. We talk about team, tech, and trust, and this is the tech at Annex Wealth Management. Rock solid, super easy to use. It's Annex Everywhere, and Rick Kula has joined us to explain that. Rick, thanks for joining us. Thanks, Danny. Get professional help with your portfolio. This is Money Talk with Dave Spano and Mark Oswald on WTMJ. Team Tech Trust, it's Money Talk Annex Wealth Management, Saturday, December 1st. Yeah, welcome to December already. I know it. I'm seeing you guys this morning. I'm going to see you guys tonight. Exactly I'm going to see you guys for, all the time. For so, our party, yes. Um, guys, let's talk about Know the Difference. It's something that we really talk about a lot here, there is a huge difference in financial advisors. Well, we talk a lot about education, and, and we think this is part of that process, is letting investors make informed decisions. This isn't about what's right, what's wrong, per se, but it's about making distinctions. It's about drawing the difference between fiduciaries and other salespeople in our industry. And I think it's important. We're not here to bash anybody, whether you're an annuity salesman or whether you're a stockbroker. Yeah, I'm sure we're going to get an email. Those are honorable jobs <laughs> exactly. and, and, and Keep all the that. Alive. That's right. but, yeah. but the fact is, is that there is a difference. And all we're trying to do is educate people, Dave. So when you think about fiduciaries and, and know the difference, certainly we look at elements about like what's going on with the states right now and certainly the SEC and trying to define for the consumer who's an advisor and who's not an advisor. And that would go a long way, but for one particular problem. I think the biggest problem, of course, is those people who are registered with FINRA and those who are not. But I will tell you, you know, those of us who have been FINRA registered for decades and decades, we still have an obligation to disclose information about securities. And I've seen this over and over again. And, you know, and there's, you know, we'll get an email from time to time. It is of the responsibility of the person recommending an investment to disclose what the costs are 
what the surrender charges are, what is the effect on their money when they make this investment. And so people who get excited about that, they maybe they're not disclosing it. And what we're trying to do is educate the WTMJ listeners here to say this is the, these are the questions that you should ask when you are buying an investment. And, and the telltale sign for us, the difference between a fiduciary and a salesperson. Now, you know, Danny, you often say in, in a marketing vein, it's not difficult, right, to, to spin it to put the spin doctor on and say, yeah, I'm a fiduciary. Yeah, I'm going to ask in your, act in your best interest. The telltale sign for us is the commitment to putting it in writing, is to enter into a relationship with somebody where they're willing to say, this is the basis of our relationship, not in a contract so much, but as in an agreement. This is how we agree to treat you during the duration of our relationship. We think that's an important factor. So understanding that there are people out there, unfortunately, who are going to try to spin this, who have over over the years tried to spin this and legally spin it to say we are advisors when they're really not advisors in the way that we look at that and certainly not in the way that the consumer looks at it. So the telltale sign for me as a compliance guy is to ask your advisor to put it in writing, that they are indeed a fiduciary. It's paragraph one in our conversation with our clients. You know, you know our combined 60 years in this business, Mark, we've seen a lot of things uh, and some of it is, is, some, is, frankly, some of it's distasteful. And one of the things that we want out of this radio show is to educate the listeners. And part of that education is to say, make sure you know what you own. Because there's so many times that people come in and say, well, you take a look at this. This is what ABC Brokerage or ABC Insurance Company sold to me. I don't even know what it is. You hit it right on the head. And I, and I think that's the unfortunate part is it was sold to me. This is such a trust-based relationship. When you go and you give some your money, what you worked really, really, really hard to put together, and you've said, I trust you, you're going to do the right thing for me, I believe that you're going to act in my best interest, and they end up selling you a product, and you don't really understand how it operates so much, and then you get home and you look at the significant other and you say, well, what, what do we just do? Did I hear him say I get 14 years and a guarantee of this, and it's going to do that and this and the other thing? You don't know that until you sit down with somebody, again, who's a fiduciary, who does not have a dog in the fight. And that's why we get that question so often, Dave, is people come to us and say, I've done all these things. This is what I've done. Tell me what I've got and do it objectively. What, what do you think the percentage of us, just regular people, think that, that all financial advisors are the exact same? A lot. A lot of people think that. Yeah, I mean, yeah, if, you you're know, a financial advisor, so you. That's financial how you, that's advisors what you do. think that. You know, right. those financial advisors say, "I do exactly what you guys do." But the reality is, and I don't want to start an argument here on a Saturday morning when people are out Christmas shopping. But the acid test is what Mark just said. Explain it to your spouse. Make sure your spouse can answer the questions about what I own, how much I paid for it, and how to get out of it. That's an important test. That's, that would really be funny in my house. Well, well I don't know, want to be. It would be the same thing <laughs> if she asked me about you know, the, the, the China set that she just bought, right? Yeah. I'd have no idea. Right. But. So how often does somebody get, get reprimanded or caught on things? Well, unfortunately, it's been a slippery slope, right? I mean, and the enforcement hasn't been what we would hope it had been. We're getting close. You know, you think about this Dodd-Frank and the fiduciary rule that we've been talking about for years. It was intended to clarify this. It was intended to, to hopefully lift up the, the bushel basket, right, and say this is what's going on underneath this. 
But the fact is, is that there's still people out there, unfortunately, again, that are using the word advisor loosely with an attempt to try to deceive people. We think that's wrong. We think you should know the difference. And one way to do that is tell them to put it in writing. Put it in writing. You can start it with us at AnnexWealth.com. Just hit that Get Started button. That's Money Talk. Have a great week. See you in a week. Advice and opinions expressed during Money Talk are solely that of the hosts or guests of Annex Wealth Management and not WTMJ Radio or Good Karma Brands Milwaukee, LLC.